Hello and welcome to the programme. You can visit the website anytime you like, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. So, a very busy programme ahead of us here again on Mooney Goes Wild tonight. Very shortly, we'll be heading over to Germany to a place called Burghausen. It's the home of the longest castle in the world at over 1.2 kilometres. Can you imagine a castle stretching over 1.2 kilometres? Anyway, Niall Hatch is there and he's going to be talking to us about a project to train northern bald ibis, which became extinct in that part of Europe over 400 years ago, to retrace their tracks. They're teaching them a migratory path across the Alps. Have you ever been there, Richard Collins in Malahide? No, I haven't been there, but I have seen that ibis... Abroad, yes, in fact. There's a colony of those in Dublin Zoo, Waldrop ibises. Correct. Very interesting animal. And ibises in general are extremely interesting. They are a great cultural animal, of course. These were the top god of ancient Egypt. Um, was ibis. The it top like god? The, the, the Egyptians believed that when the sun went under the earth... It passed along beneath the earth and mm-hmm. came up next day, if you were lucky. And the, the god Toth, who was also the god of writing, controlled the world. And he, he kind of consoled people. He looked like the new moon. His bill was like the, the curvature of the new moon. So they thought this, uh, this is a god and it is the god that protects us when the sun... So they is. actually use the image of the ibis. They did, and if you go to Egypt to the temples, it's a wonderful thing to do. I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful place to go. You will see ibis heads everywhere. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness, Top, I didn't know Top that. a very important god because he, he, he conveyed reassurance, do you see? So that was the thing. He looks like a bit like a curlew, um, but he's not actually released to curlew at all. Anyway, why are we talking about it when we could be chatting with the man who's actually on location in Germany as we speak? Niall Hatch, just exactly where are you? I said you're in... Berghausen, but where exactly is that? Well, Derek, would you believe I'm standing outside the walls of a medieval castle here in Bavaria? Indeed. In Berghausen. Uh, it's the longest castle in the world, indeed. It's a very impressive site. Um, but the main reason I'm here, it's not because of the building itself. It's because of a wonderful bird and a great conservation project to bring a species back from the brink of extinction. So I'm very thrilled to be here in, in Berghausen. But it's just across the river, literally metres away from Austria. So the best views of the castle are Austri- actually from Austria, <laughs> looking back across. Now what are you doing there? <laughs> Why aren't you in Austria? <laughs> well, because it's here in in Germany where the birds are actually reared in captivity a beautiful bird called the bald ibis and it's a species that was on the brink of extinction and thanks to really concerted efforts by conservationists including here in Berghausen uh, the species has been saved and it's uh, recovering very very well and a lost European species has been brought back which I'm thrilled about Can you describe what the bird looks like now? So if you saw a bald ibis in flight from a distance it might look like almost any other bird a large black bird uh, flying along with big broad wings but up close you'd see they actually have bald heads like Myself, and a, a, a sort of a, a collar of shaggy feathers coming off the back of their necks and around their heads. So quite a bizarre looking bird and they also have a big long down curved beak, a bit like that of a curlew. Uh, so similar sort of effect but the bird looks nothing like a curlew apart from the shape of the beak. It's a black sort of glossy bird with a bald pink head. I'm told that if you see them from a distance on the ground you might mistake them for vultures. Yes, they do have a very vulture-like appearance. Uh, so from a distance you would see, you would think that, yes, they have that bare skin on the head. Uh, different beak completely so as a, whereas a vulture would have a short hooked beak, these ibis have this big long down curved beak they have long legs and uh, they're sort of related to the to the herons and that group of birds 
not, not exactly the same family, but closely related to that. Now, they have them in Dublin Zoo. They do. That's a great place to see them, actually. There's a display in Dublin Zoo where they have them in this special habitat. And that's part of the captive breeding efforts for this bird because it went so low that actually there's just one small wild population left in Morocco. Uh, and that was really the only birds left surviving. So it's important that some of these birds have been bred in captivity mm-hmm. so they can then be reintroduced elsewhere, as has happened here in Berghausen. And there are migratory species. Yeah, in many parts of their range there are. So the ones in Morocco stay where they are year-round. They're near Agadir. It's nice and warm for them there all year. But historically, the populations that we used to have here in, in the Alps, in uh, in Germany and other parts of Central Europe, uh, they would migrate and they would head down south towards the Mediterranean region because obviously it gets quite cold here in the mountains in the winter. Uh, but of course, what happened was that those birds, when that population uh, became extinct and was wiped out, so did that memory of the migration route. So what's happened is the birds that have been reintroduced to Germany have to be taught how to migrate again. So it's all about how you get these birds to really revert to natural behaviour when they've been bred in captivity originally and even then the parents that are raising the chicks here they haven't learned how to migrate themselves mm. so it's strange they have to be taught it but that's that work that's how you save them from being here in the cold winter now this is something myself and richard saw in washington some years ago when they were training the trumpeter swans to fly from canada into north america so when they're training them to fly there, how do they do it? Do they use microlights? Well, they started using microlights, but would you believe they actually flew a bit too fast for the birds to get them over the Alps? So they had to change to something called a paraplane, which flies at a slower speed. It can go on a less direct route, more naturally mimicking the flight patterns of these birds. And the idea is to get them safely over the Alps and actually down to Tuscany, which is where they spend their winter. So there was a lot of trial and error involved. Yes, nobody had done anything like this before with this species, so it's really trying to work it out for the first time. And then, of course, the information they get from that will inform reintroduction projects of this species elsewhere but also other birds as well there's new techniques being learned all the time so to put this again to summarise it all this is a bird that has been extinct for something like 400 years in Europe so they take the eggs from the birds that are in captivity and then they raise them and they bring them up with their well when we saw them in Canada they were swan moms but these would be foster moms yes if you want them to follow somebody who is uh, who's teaching them how to migrate they have to learn to follow that person they have to have a connection with that person because what would happen with these migratory birds in the wild is normally they would follow their parents so mm. they need a a foster parent, even if that's a human, to show them show them the ropes, show them how to move. Uh, and it's really about re-establishing those migratory routes. The species, as you said, Derek, has been extinct in Europe for roughly 400 years. It was a feature of the Alps here. Uh, so it's great, finally, to have it back. And, and long may it continue. There's also reintroduction projects going on elsewhere in, in Austria, in parts of Spain as well. Uh, and uh, and then hopefully the, the species can be brought back to the Middle East. Where and this is EU-funded, I believe. Yes, EU-funding stream. It's a really good the way the European Union do fund these projects. I think about 5 million euros spent well. on it, which is it's a lot of money. It is, but it's well worth it if you think of bringing back a species. It's also bringing employment into local areas. It's helping to bring other species back too because the techniques being learned from this means that future projects for other birds can benefit from that trial and error and so they'll be cheaper in the long run. So I think it's a win-win. Anyway, you're in Berghausen, as you said, on the border with Austria. You are not alone, Niall. Who are you with? I'm with Corina here, who is um, part of the project here to bring these beautiful birds, the bald ibis, uh, back and uh, really delighted to be here. Uh, so thanks so much for speaking to me, Corina. Tell me um, a bit more about the ibis. What are the challenges in trying to bring a species like this back? You're welcome. Yes, uh, what's the challenge? The challenge is, of course, that uh, we want to reintroduce a migratory population. I mean, that's uh, not that easy. So as you told before, we need to hand rear them and we need to teach them to follow us by microlight. I mean, that's uh, a lot of training which we have to do and um, but this actually works really good now but still we have of course some problems um, when the birds are on migration when they migrate by themselves like there's the illegal hunting in Italy and also we have a lot of losses to electrocution on power poles but 
we still have a growing population, so um, it's it's a lot of work, but it's worth to do it. <laughs> and how many birds do you have now in the population here in, in Bavaria? Uh, we have now about uh, 50 birds. Not all of them are adults, so they uh, they stay in the Tuscany at the moment, and they will maybe come back in one or two years. And, and is teaching them to migrate, is that working? Have they learned the routes to follow themselves now? Are they doing it by themselves? Yes, it's working. Um, we also have uh, wild birds, uh, which means that they were reared by the own parents, you know. And um, so it's it's growing all the time. And uh, yes, it's growing slowly, but it's, it's working. So these were birds that actually were raised in captivity, taught the migration route, yes. learned the migration route, and then they bred successfully themselves. So there's first generation bald ibis now that are actually making that migration themselves. And you mentioned Tuscany. So they're going from Bavaria, from where you are there in Berghausen, to Tuscany. Is that it? That's their wintering grounds where they feed? Yes, exactly. So the wintering ground is the Tuscany, and we already have the third generation of wild birds. Not, oh. not the first. Wow. Yeah, it's... Well, that's, it's that's really good. good. That's, that's really, really good. Yes. Um, I see here, we're looking up at these, I guess, nesting ledges that you have, these lovely wooden structures. I see that you have cameras around it. It's actually like a fortress. It seems very secure. You have to protect these birds from lots of threats. I see you have some barbed wire underneath the nest. Is that to stop predators climbing up and getting the chicks? Yes, exactly. But uh, the cameras is not for uh, secure them or protecting them. It's just that we can have a look into, inside the nest so we can see how many eggs they lay and how the chicks are growing if everything is okay. And how many eggs does a female bald ibis lay? Usually it's between three and four, but sometimes we have five eggs, <laughs> but this is really a lot. And is it normal that all of those chicks would survive or do some, do some tend to die before they, they fledge? It depends on the year. Uh, so in some years all the fledged, chi- no, all the hatched chicks fledge, but in some years um, it's maybe only two or three which uh, can survive. And with the project, how long will it continue for? And ultimately, how many birds do you want to have back in the population before you could consider that it's a success and that your job has been done? This new life project goes until 2028. And um, the the number of birds when we want to have in the end is um, 357. Then the population should be self-sustainable. But the 357 is not only for Bockhausen, it's for the total population, like uh, seven breeding areas. Well, I wish you the very best of luck with that. I think it's really important Mm. to see this kind of work being done and it's really exciting and I'm looking forward to these birds returning. When will they come back here to Bavaria? Uh, They will come back next year, so in in the spring. I must be nervous watching to see how many of them actually make it because, as you said, there are threats on migration from from illegal hunting, from the weather, I suppose, maybe lack of feeding. It must be be nice when you see these birds finally coming back and you realise that they've made it and they know what to do. Yes, of course. I mean... Uh, most of them uh, were GPS trackers, oh. so I can see where they go and so I can watch them the whole year. And when they go to their wintering grounds in Italy, do they stay in one particular area or are they starting to move and explore new areas themselves? Uh, most of them stay in the area, but we have some birds which shorten the migration route, like um, they don't go the whole way. So they just found some places where they can stay the winter and they stay there. So it's, it's natural behaviour is being, being restored. So they're choosing then what's best for them as a, as a wild bird population should. Yes, yes, 
But I suppose really, Niall, you should explain exactly why birds do migrate. Well, essentially, birds migrate, of course, because it's it's to make sure essentially they can find food and obviously escape bad weather as well. So I'm guessing here in Bavaria in the winter, it must get pretty cold. It's pretty chilly today, I have to say. It must get even colder than this. So for a bird like a bald ibis, I suppose you want to have them somewhere where it's warmer and more secure for the winter, and then they return back here to the safety of the mountains to nest. Well, what are they feeding on? They eat worms, insects, everything they find in the ground. So that's also the reason why they have to migrate, because in winter the ground is frozen and they cannot find any food then. So they use that long curved beak to probe into exactly. the soil. Yeah. Ah, yes, it yeah. all makes sense. So just like the curlew? So just, just like the curlew, it's kind of like almost like wading birds. We have lots of those in Ireland, so people would be yeah. familiar with those birds that probe down deep into the ground. So the ibises, yeah. although they're not related, they do the same thing. It's very interesting. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic project now. Thank you very much indeed. And thank you, Karina. You're welcome. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, lovely. D- delighted to be here and to see real conservation, like hands-on work like this firsthand. And also to see that it's, it's reaping dividends. It really is working. This is how you bring species back. It takes a lot of work from dedicated people like Karina and, her, and the team here. Um, but it's worth it. It really is. And, and, and I heard you mention security cameras, Niall. I'm just thinking probably we could uh, hack into them and stream this live next year for the breeding season. When will that be exactly? They return in the spring and then they breed during the summer, the summer months. So we've got the perfect time to watch them. I'm sure the weather here will be lovely. Can you imagine the views from the Bavarian Alps at that time of year? It's going to be stunning. Okay, now thank you very much indeed. And thanks again, Karina. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks very much, Derek. No problem, Niall. You're welcome. And thanks again to Karina. More details, as always, on the website rte.ie forward slash Mooney. By the way, when you go there, you'll find information about Birdwatch Ireland's Garden Bird Survey. It kicks off this day week, next Monday, the 28th of November. Details on how you can participate on our website, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. And we'll discuss it in more detail with Niall next Monday when he's back.